to Crafting a Revolution. I'm your co-host, Katie Thompson. Here we share interviews with female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. I'm also the creator of the Women of Woodworking Project and Pen and Chisel, a journal created to highlight the work and stories of underrepresented voices in craft. Today, our guest on Crafting a Revolution is artist and woodworker, Valerie Burledge. Valerie creates her colorful jewelry designs and exquisite mirrors and larger wall hanging pieces in her home studio outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Today, we'll talk about her creative background and some exciting recent collaborations. First, I'd like to make a huge shout out to our patrons on Patreon. Thank you to Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette at 513 Woodworks, yours truly, Katie Thompson at Women of Woodworking, Kevin at Lefty's Woodshop, Christy at Twisted Twine, Jeremy at Jeremy Speck, Sammy at Go Samalee, Rachel at Moody Makes, Bonnie at Tool Mom Bonnie and ToolMomStore.com, Laura at Oakley Soap Company, Brandy at Studio Abe, Lee at The Rainbow Carver, Ellen at Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan at Ethan Carter Designs. If you'd like to become a patron, hop on over to Patreon and sign up, support the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Crafting a Revolution. This episode, we have Valerie Burledge with us. Valerie, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here today. Valerie is, if you're not watching this and listening, um, a very colorful artist woodworker, designer. I'm admiring her outfit here and the, the color palette going on. Um, but um, based out of North, Car North Carolina? Yes. Yeah. And, and Leicester, North Carolina, just outside of Asheville. Wonderful. That's, I was about to say Asheville, but I, I couldn't remember for certain. So, um, and then of course, living in the Carolinas and as rurally as, as some of us do, you just say like the nearest big town or city somebody might recognize you're like yeah I live outside of Charleston so <laughs> whatever that could be <laughs> yeah. so well awesome well Valerie why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself you know starting from the beginning when did your creative journey start um a long time ago <laughs> um I was born into a really creative family uh, my grandmothers were artists. My grandfather's a woodworker. My mom um, was always sewing stuff when I was a kid. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it's, it's always been part of my background. So uh, yeah, always been making, always been um, creative. And uh, I graduated high school and I think I was like one of three people that didn't want to immediately move away. I stayed here and um, went to UNCA, went through the fine arts program and then uh, decided I, I was never gonna be able to make a living as an artist. Uh, so I 
went, which is not, um, not high on my list of priorities. <laughs> it doesn't seem like nowadays. Um, but uh, I went back to school and got my teaching license uh, only to discover there's not many art, art teaching positions uh, available. Um, so just continued on uh, working and trying to make things. And uh, I worked for a woodworker for uh, probably just over a decade on and off and uh, decided I needed to get my teaching license renewed. So I went back to school to Haywood Community College and uh, went through the professional crafts program, the wood program there, and uh, decided that that was it, man, this is, this is what I'm doing now. So um, I've been focusing on, on this now for um, eight years. So not, not too, too long, but uh, longer than I thought, actually. I think the same whenever I'm like, oh gosh, I've been doing this over a decade. For some reason, that's, you know, that's like a big, you know, you get into double digits, you're like, wow, a decade. And first, then you're like, oh, I'm old, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I, I remember just like starting out and, and being a young artist and thinking I, I knew everything and clearly didn't. Um, but um, another thing, you know, that's really interesting about your story is um, I too, you know, I grew up very creatively and knew I always wanted to do something creatively, but I, you know, going to College of Charleston, I thought I need to get something practical, something that I can actually like have a career with. And yeah. I took like one semester of education courses and I was like, they get up too early for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not going to work. Um, so, you know, we all eventually find our path, but um, isn't it very interesting? I'd like to hear more about your experience as an artist and a teacher, how has, has that been? Has there been any overlap? Because it seems like, especially in the woodworking world, but in the craft world in general, there's a big emphasis on education, not learning, but also sharing your knowledge. Yeah, so I, I love um, sharing what I do and um, I'm always, always happy to do that. I'd love to teach more. Uh, in the future, but I, you know, there are opportunities um, right now that I have to do that even more. Like um, I am involved with our local community center and I host a, a community art night once a month where we do some sort of art or craft project. Um, I'm also involved with the uh, Southern, I'm in the Southern Highlands Craft Guild and I'm a member of the education committee uh, and I'm really involved in uh, more of the outreach of that because uh, it's, it's so important, you know, to, um, to, to continue this. I feel like uh, we've got this momentum going as um, artists and crafters, people are becoming more interested in it. Um, and I, I feel like it's so important to spur that on, especially for these younger kids um, who are just, you know, from the womb have had their face in a, in a phone or an, you know, iPad or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's anything I can do to, 
to to get craft and art out there. I am I am all up for it. That's awesome, and I, I agree with you. I think we live in a very exciting time. Of course, I'm looking at it as you know from a lens of you know women and underrepresented identities, you know, in woodworking and craft, but. You're right. Um, I think this is a, a unique time. I think this has been such a stressful time for people that they've turned to art, music, creativity, movies. You know, we've really, you know, um, unfortunately have tried to find ways to escape our current situation or even just kind of put it on pause for a moment. And that's the wonderful thing about art and creativity is it does allow you to kind of, you know, just really be present in the moment and not focus so much on what's going on on the outside, you know, um, and even just giving that gift to people. If it's something as small as them just, you know, getting a sketchbook and letting themselves, you know, or a coloring book even, you know, and, and just expressing themselves that way. Um, that's a real gift to give to other people. And um, as much as I thought I did not, you know, teaching wouldn't suit me, um, it's incredibly fulfilling. And I'm sure even your experiences, you know, at the community center, and I want to have a community craft night. That sounds incredibly fun. I'm like going to have to talk to you and figure out how I can get one. You know me, I want to do everything. So yeah. um, that sounds super fun though. So, um, you know, what did it take going a little bit deeper here? Um, when you're starting out as an artist and kind of finding your voice, and it sounds like you, again, grew up in a very creative household and were encouraged to express yourself that way, but there is, you know, kind of a big step that you take in becoming an instructor, becoming, you know, someone that leads and organizes things. That's just not something that every artist has a personality for. Um, what was it that finally you were like, okay, I, I want to implement these things. Was it you know, being in your shop by yourself a lot, or, you know, what really was it that pushed you to engage the community? And then, of course, um, with the craft guild, your position on the education committee there, um, what was finally like, all right, I got to get out of here. What was that like? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I think a lot of us um, crafters uh, are alike in that we like we want to see our craft continue on, you know, it's, it's um, really important that things don't die um, because it, it just seems like sometimes it's like one generation away from losing these skills and this information. Um, so I don't, I think it's just, a, um, you know, I was always being taught things growing up. Like my grandmothers were teaching me things, my grandfather, my mom, um, I was always being taught and I, I don't know, I guess that just kind of rubbed off to where I, you know, I, I want to share what little knowledge I have, you know, if you can share that and spark something, then um, that, that's pretty awesome. I agree. I, I think that's another beautiful gift that you give when you teach is you give people the experience of uh, seeing what it's like to be a teacher, you know, and like in receiving, you also learn about, about giving and um, it's just really beautiful. And I think, you know, of course, if it really takes to you um, as an artist and a person, it, it just kind of perpetuates wanting to continue to share and continue to receive. And that's just really positive and really growth oriented. 
Um, you know, and that's the sad thing about arts and crafts education, especially living in the rural South, I'm sure um, you can understand, you know, the resources here are, are minimal, um, even compared to other places in the country that are really operating on a shoestring. Um, it's just not something that's really, um, I, I, I feel like generationally has been in incredibly celebrated or cultured. I feel like, you know, especially where I live, like agriculture is a big focus. So there's always this like cultural focus on things being practical. And, you know, um, even from what people do, it's just like hard to understand, like doing something just for the fun of creativity. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm, I, I really do kind of stand out because I um, just as, a, and being an artist in general, but, um, Again, I wonder how many students and how many children are out here. Um, I don't live far from where Jasper Johns um, grew up and just knowing his experience and his opinion on growing up, you know, where he did and, you know, how it shaped his work and what he does now. Um, it really resonates with me because I think, you know, how many students out there, how many kids out there, you know, have this desire, have this urge, want to draw, want to sketch don't have the resources, don't have the emotional support. Um, you know, even just being an artist with a very supporting family that still wants you to make a living can be difficult, you know. Um, we all have our, our, you know, burdens that we carry and, and different hurdles that we have to cross. But um, just that exposure is, it, it really can, you know, take people so much further. And I love that you're doing things in the community. Um, to be able to share that with folks. And I feel like you have done a few classes elsewhere. Am I thinking uh, you've done a few, few virtual classes here in the last year or so? Uh, I, I did one virtual class. Well, it was a two-part class um, last summer through Pocus and Arts, which was really fun. I, I loved um, I, I liked the virtual aspect more than I thought I would, especially since uh, their Zoom coordinator handled all the technology bits for me. <laughs> but um, it, it was nice to be able to um, have people from all over um, take part. So that, that was, it, it was great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you've attended a few of our Women of Woodworking Affinity Group meetings, and it's just been wonderful how we've been able to reach out and finally connect through technology as we did before. But now it's like everybody's really focused on it. So I feel like it's opened a lot of opportunities and experiences for people that we might not have otherwise had. Hey, makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code maker mom, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. But this is a, 
a good way to segue into a little bit more fun side of things, which is your work was so colorful, so lovely. Um, I own a pair of your earrings. They're some of my favorites. And um, a lovely thing about wood that most people don't realize is if you pick the right materials, they're actually really light. So they're so comfortable and colorful. And I would just love to hear about how you got to the point that you are, that you're making these you know, gorgeous pieces of jewelry, using paint, using color, using wood, mixed materials. Um, how did you get to this point creatively? Uh, well, I, th I think uh, coming from, especially a creative family, like artists and crafters, like we're kind of hoarders, you know what I mean? Like we don't get rid of stuff. Busted. <laughs> so, like, because I, you know, you, you think, well, I, I can use that for something else, or I can, you know, on down the road, I'll use that. And so the jewelry was kind of a way to just utilize like those tiny scraps instead of throwing away. Cause I just, I, I really can't stand to see any wood thrown away. Um, you know, it, it is a precious resource um, and it is renewable, but it's not that best <laughs> of renewable. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't like to see any, any tiny little scrap be thrown into the wood fire or the landfill. And um, they're, they're just fun to, it's more immediate than the big stuff too. Also, you know, you, you can make uh, a little earrings in, in like a week, whereas a big mirror might take a few months. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what I've always, I loved your, you know, ball hangings and, and things like that. But when I saw your jewelry, I thought, oh, yay, you know, um, it's just a great way to make art more accessible for the maker and then also the customer. There's so many people that, you know, really want to have some of your work or just something that you've, you've made. And um, yeah, so I, I was glad I saw, I think it was like an Instagram post. I was like, those are mine. <laughs> just snag them. So, um, but speaking of, of jewelry also, I have, am very excited to see the results and seeing a little bit of the sneak peeks of your collaboration with Pam Robinson. Um, we were mentioning Pam before we got started, but tell me how that came to fruition. Um, I am, I, I haven't seen anything, so I am super excited to, to see what, oh. she, what she creates. But uh, she, she saw an Instagram post, uh, just like a handful of pieces. I always um, try to keep a handful of, of tiny little, little pieces going uh, all the time, just because it's a great way to use up leftover paint. Um, you can fill in some time while you're waiting for something else to dry. So I had, I had a handful of, of these colorful little pieces that were destined to be pendants and whatnots. And um, she reached out and I, I'm very excited that she did because she's an amazing, an amazing artist, so. Yes, she was actually our guest on here, I think two episodes ago and um, her work and technique are just so beautiful. So to have that combined, you know, with your color and expressiveness, like I really cannot wait to see. Um, and, you know, I think you posted a picture of maybe some of the pendants and things, and even just on their own, I was like, those are just pretty like by themselves. So I can only imagine um, after Pam gets a hold of them, um, what they're gonna turn into. So 
Um, you know, why do you think you're so passionate about wood specifically? Um, is that an influence from your grandfather and just growing up around that? Um, you know, and you mentioned, I think, when you were graduating, you were, you know, in, into to art or, you know, were thinking about being an artist. Um, what really sold you on wood as your primary material? Uh, I, you know, I have a very early memory of selling sawdust in my grandfather's uh, garage shop. Um, it, it's always appealed to me. Um, I, I, like I said, I worked for a woodworker. I grew up around it. Uh, it's just a, it's a really tactile medium. Like, um, just like when you see a wood piece, you want to, you want to reach out and touch it. Um, and that's not the way with, with some other mediums. Um, but you can, I mean, it's just so versatile. Also, you can, you can bend it, you can cut it, you can shape it, you can glue it, you can um sandblast it you can paint it you can I mean you can do just about anything except you know stretch it back out once you cut it too short um so yeah it's, um yeah and then even um mentioning paint like doing the different layers of paint and texture you know a lot of things that you do in your work um, even going back and like adding little details, like I love all the dots and stripes and um, just all the, the extra care that you go into really giving each piece like personality. You know, the, that's the thing I really love about your work is even the tiniest pieces are just like so full of, of personality. Um, it's just really lovely to see. And then um, of course in jewelry, very stunning, but the large pieces as well. I can imagine that gets pretty time consuming um, the getting into the, to the techniques and some of the finishing that you do. It, it does, um, you know, like 20, 20% 20 of the way into one of those big pieces. I'm like, ah, why can't I just do like Did it again. Know, some <laughs> clean line, mid-century modern and like, you know, or like some live edge, um, more rustic stuff, but no, I have to go and make everything complicated. But uh, yeah, it, it's really fun. But I will say like the finishing aspect of it is it's, it's not, it's my least favorite part probably. Wow. <laughs> because it's just, just, you know, it's, it's the final bit, but it just, you know, it, it seems to just take so long. I could make it easier on myself. I'm sure like does everything really need three coats and then a coat, coat of paste wax? Probably not, but it just feels so nice after all that work, so. Three coats, it's the same thing. I mean, that was, we kind of have a joke about it now, me and my husband, because when I was first learning, I was like, does it really have to have three coats? He's like, trust me, three coats, three coats. That's it, like, I can't explain it. It's gotta have three coats. And that's just like our our rule here is is a minimum of three coats, so. I totally feel you on that. But for most people, like the finishing process is like their favorite part. Um, so it's interesting to hear from different artists and, you know, what stands out to you and, and what doesn't. Um, and I also love, you know, just the relationship that wood and woodworking have with time. You know, um, the world we live in is like so rushed and so busy, but this is a craft like 
it takes what it takes. Like it's, you know, and it is really humbling. Um, but it's really, again, nice to like have it take you out of that rat race for a little while. So, um, yeah. And I love hearing about your method about having like a lot of different things going at a different time. You know, sometimes working on one piece can trigger, you know, an idea for something else, or if you're stuck on something, just, um, going in a different direction for a little while is, is nice. So how many pieces do you think you're working on at one time generally? Too many. <laughs> yeah, probably too many. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, sometimes you'll leave things for um, a few weeks or a month or so just to like, because you need to think about them. Um, I, I made some, some small uh, cases uh, a couple months ago, and they're still sitting uh, in my paint studio because I, I still have not decided what kind of feet I want to put on them. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, usually, usually a handful of things going at once. So, yeah, I, I, I feel you on that. And um, it's just very interesting. And I always love to hear about artists and makers that let them themselves have that time and space again, like things are so rushed. And as we were setting up this conversation, you know, talking about shows and selling and things like that. Um, and enjoying that side of the process, even when things aren't always so great, you know, it's just a, a lot of pressure. Um, you know, what, what are your kind of thoughts on, you know, selling? What's that, what, what is that like for you, you know, as an artist maker, someone who's chosen a life that's a little bit more slow, uh, <laughs> slower than others, um, you know, what is your, uh, what is your approach on retail and sales? Well, I, you know, I, I told someone again, Saturday, um, like I, I, I think all artists have to be a little bit of a gambler, um, to be crazy enough to do this. Fair. Um, <laughs> because you never like you, you just, I mean, at least I don't ever know you know, I, I can guess sometimes and sometimes I'm way off and sometimes I'm like, okay, that, that panned out just how I thought, how I thought, but, um, yeah, there, there's always, uh, there's always like that voice in the back of your head. That's like, sell, you gotta sell, you gotta sell, you gotta sell. Um, and I, I try and just like squash that down as much as I can, because it just makes me crazy. So, um, yeah, I, I am, I'm trying to, to take a more um, chill approach to that. And uh, I don't do many shows at all anymore because it was too stressful. Now I, I put my work in the hands of very capable galleries and um, that, that is uh, doing much better for my, for my sanity. <laughs> Mental health there. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, I hear you on that. I, you know, doing the shows and markets, it took a long time, you know, even being from a marketing and PR background, like I totally understand what you mean about that voice to sell. It's like, I'm here to sell. I'm here to sell. Like that's, I'm looking at dollars. Um, but it is so important to take, I think, a laid back approach sometimes, or maybe a, uh, 
more rounder approach of everything that's going on, you know, it's an opportunity to network. It's an opportunity to get out of your shop and, and just enjoy being around folks. Um, especially now as, as people have kind of been even more secluded lately. Yeah. Um, but realizing that it's like one small piece of a bigger picture, because I've definitely had, like I said, I've had shows, I've had complete goose eggs and you're like, wow, the humiliation is just nothing like it, you know? And yeah. it's, um, you know, and everybody gets rejections and, and things like that. And then there's some shows you're thinking, oh, this is just my little neighborhood you know, pop-up thing and you end up, you know, selling out and, and, but, you know, sometimes you figure it out and sometimes you don't, but it's always interesting to hear what works for artists and what, what doesn't, you know, being in furniture, it, you talk about gambling. I mean, going to, especially really big shows, um, a lot of upfront cost, and you're like, I've got to sell, you know, this many pieces that are already, you know, uh, higher ticket items. It's just, it really does feel like gambling. So um, I'm pleased to hear that that galleries and, and that type of setup has worked for you. I think it's really up to people to try different things and see what works best. And um, we're lucky to live in an area that that does have a lot of smaller markets and opportunities for folks to, to get out and reach out to people. So you said you've been doing this for about eight years. Um, how long have you been, you know, kind of selling your work at markets and things like that? Was that something you started doing right off the bat or did you feel like you had to build up to that? Um, I, I was trying to think. So I, I started doing a few shows in the summer of 2014 and I think I got picked up by one gallery um, maybe that fall. And um, it turned out not to be a, a great fit, but that's um, one of those things you have to live and learn, I think sometimes. But after I um, got into the Southern Highland Craft Guild the following year, um, things kind of picked up and I got into a few more galleries. And you know, there've been some that have come and gone over the years. But um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been all right. And last year was a surprising year. Um, so in a, in a good way, like I never really have any expectation because- It's nice I to just, be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> it, it, it really is, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's doing okay, and um, hopefully, hopefully, things will just continue to improve. I mean, I guess that's what we all all want. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And um, you brought up a great point of like sometimes doing these shows, it does get you out there with galleries and in front of people. You know, it it does lead to other things, and so. Um, it, it is a lot of hard work though. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so much it hard is work. Definitely. Yes. Today's episode is sponsored by Athena Outfitters. Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that sells everything a badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics. They curate the toughest essentials made to help 
you perform, every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle, from rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair. You can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters, and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code M. M as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% off any purchase. So again, you go to athenaoutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. Um, and I, I realized before I started doing shows, like I am, I am a salesperson. Um, my, my grandmother uh, was in sales her entire life. And, um, so I would, you know, she would come to shows and she would be chatting with the customers and I'm like hiding in the back, in the back. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not, uh, yeah. Yeah. Stressful. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Some people just have that natural gift for it. And, um, I, I can feel you with that on the sales. Um, and and also like, it's different. I think, you know, when you're selling things like cars or another product, um, when it's your own work, like it feels even more pressure and, and things like that. But I love, I love hearing about your grandmother. Uh, you have to give her some commission on her sales, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, she, she was... Um always uh well decked out and um jewelry (laughs) that was her that was her commission she got first (laughs) dibs of everything so there you go which is hey that's that's quite a perk i i would say when it comes to to your work i i I wouldn't turn that down (laughs) i'll come work a booth for a couple hours one of these weekends and (laughs) I, i would be happy to let you (laughs) <laughs> oh well this um kind of is a good segue again to another question um speaking of women and the influence that they've had on our lives you know um how does it feel you know crafting working and making in this space you know as you identify as a woman woodworker artist um what's that been like for you um, I, it's, it's good. I mean, I, to be honest, I, when I was at Haywood, um, I was the only, well, the, I, I was the only girl in the second year students. There was one other, um, in the first year students. So, you know, I, I was aware of being the only female in the shop, um, but I I didn't really realize um, I didn't really think of myself as a woman woodworker until 
somebody brought it up when I was graduating and he was like, oh, I'm going to bring my daughter to the grad show to see, you know, what, you know, a woman can actually be a woodworker and um, do these things. And, and in my head, I'm like, why, why would she have doubt? Like, why would she have doubts that she couldn't? And I think that was just a product of my upbringing. Like I had, I, I have been really blessed in my upbringing and the support I've had from my family and they've never said woodworking why would you want to do that that's for boys or you know like that's it's it's never been never been a thing um but I am aware like it's you know it's um it's really I I don't take it for granted now like it's um special to me <laughs> you know that I can be a a female and, and a woodworker and um, it's, it's really nice to see more uh, women in the field. Um, I, I think Instagram especially has been a great way to build community like that, um, you know, networking, not just in your own community. Cause I, you know, I know, I know female woodworkers here in Asheville, but there's, there's so many out there. Um, so it's nice, um, yeah. Yeah, that's I, I I'm with you on that because I'm uh, I'm the same way as far as I've never like doubted being able to do something. You know, it was always kind of confusing to me when someone would say, "Well, you're a girl, you can't do that." I'm like, "Well, why?" Like, no, that doesn't. I, I'm doing it right now, and you're telling me I can't. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. And so I I've always had that mentality too, and you know, very fortunate and, you know, through life experiences and people just to really encourage me to not give up. Um, always, I'm, I'm really grateful because, you know, you can be in a room full of people that are like, well, why are you doing that? Like, that's, that's weird, like art, creativity, but having that one person that's like, don't stop doing this. This is amazing. You know, um, just really encouraging you. That can really make all the difference. And it makes a difference, you know, who you're hearing that from and, and actually being able to, to see yourself in an industry. I think that's something we're really fortunate as, um, you know, women in woodworking right now is we are able to have tools like Instagram where we can reach out all over the world and see what everyone else is doing and making. And it's amazing to see how our, our cultural, despite our cultural differences and the different types of work that we make, that we do really all have this, you know, universal experience of, of being a woman in a wood shopper, you know, a gender non-conforming person, underrepresented identity. It's, it's just this understanding. And um, I, I joke, like I get really spoiled now because all I do is work with women in woodworking. I'm like, of course there's women in woodworking. That's all I, you know, that's all I talk to anymore. Um, yeah. But I, I remember the whole reason why, you know, starting that project is because I was like, there's gotta be someone else out there um, that's having these experiences too. And um, it's, it's wonderful to see um, and hear, you know, about your friend, like bringing your daughter um, and just setting that example, you know, whether or not we want to be role models or not, we are making a difference. And, um, and that's a lot of work, but I don't think um, men really understand is the extra pressure and like weight that comes on that. But it's, it's beautiful when you're able to embrace that like you have. And then, and then again, also just encourage that attitude of, well, why not? You know, um, why can't women be woodworkers? You know, um, 
that's wonderful that you've had that experience and and um, are able to to share that with others. Yeah, and especially working with kids is is very rewarding. Um, just being a mom and having both of my kids doing virtual school, of course, we're doing like crafts and art stuff all the time and um, just giving just giving them that space to be able to be themselves is is huge. So that's really wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Well, um, back to your creative work, you know, what are you working on now? We talked about uh, you just your collaboration with Pam and sending her those pieces, but what's ahead for you? It's, it's early spring. So typically people are usually getting ready for, for shows and markets and things like that. Um, what's spring and summer looking like for you? Uh, I, I don't know that I have any markets planned. I might do another uh, pop-up at my, my friend's place um, in July, which I, I wouldn't mind if, you know, it's low pressure and um, that, that's always nice. So uh, I bet that might be the only show, but um, yeah, just making, I have discovered I'm surprisingly low on boxes. So I need to get my reader in gear and <laughs> make some boxes because that's an important part of my product line and um, I have plans to make a couple of things for myself this year which is nice. good for I'm, you I'm, I'm doing it I'm putting it on on the books um, and uh, yeah just um, I usually do a couple large pieces and I've got some things planned uh, for that so yeah just just Lots of making sawdust. That's awesome. That's amazing. And I just realized like the colors you're wearing even today, like are very reminiscent of your work. Like you, you could easily be a piece of your work here. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm surprisingly paint. Well, there's a couple spots. I'm surprisingly paint free today. So usually I have it all over me. <laughs> Uh, oh, that was another question I wanted to ask you. Um, when did the painting come into play? Uh, you know, talked about the woodworking. When did you discover your love of color? Uh, um, always. Like, um, I, I didn't grow up in a house with white walls. Like all the walls were painted. Uh, my mom loves color. Both my grandmothers love color. Um, my one grandmother, Lorraine, uh, we spent her, my grandfather, um, he's the, he's the woodworker. And so Lorraine, we would, we would paint what he made. And, um, we did a lot of coloring when I was little. Um, and she would always, you know, encourage me to use all the crayons in the box, you know, like even as a kid, you just have this tendency to just use like a few colors because those are, you know, your favorite, but she would always say, no, no, you know, like there's more colors, you know, there's all these to choose from, you know, you gotta, gotta use all of them. And um, so, yeah, I, I just, uh, that was always a part of whatever we were making and creating was color. And uh, I, I realized the other day, I just don't have any fear of it anymore because <laughs> it's just, you can just paint right over it if you don't like it. <laughs> Some, you know, you, you talk to some people and it's like, oh, you know, I'm just like, that's really bold or I don't know if I do that or 
this or whatever. And it's like, just got to go for it, man. Just like get in there and do it. I needed to hear that because I'm one of those people. I love to paint, but I stress out. I'm like, what if, what if I don't like it? What if he doesn't? What if I screw it up? You know, or I'll do it and I'm like, oh, I love it. Or, oh, I hate it. You know, and um, it ends up just causing so much anxiety. I really took to like digital painting instead because I was like, okay, I can erase that like very quickly. For some reason that just like felt less stressful to me and, and I loved it. Um, but I needed to hear that from you. Like you can just paint over it and you can just go for it. And um, yeah, I needed that lesson for creativity in life. We could all use a little bit of that advice. Just go for it. Just go for it. Just, just go for it. And even if you wind up hating it, it's like, it's a good learning process, you know, because you learn what, you know, what you don't like, what you don't think works good together. So and that's especially uh, true with like colors and mixing and blending and being able to create stuff, you know, just learning and learning what you like. It's always, I always just love talking to painters and learning, learning about color theory and then their relationship with it too. Um, Cause you're right. There's been many times I've learned, okay, yeah, that doesn't, that looks like dirt. I'm, <laughs> that's not what I was going yeah. for. So those colors don't work. Um, but yeah, it is, it is fun to play around and, and learn that way. But um, how wonderful that you were given the space to do that and, and the guidance too. And um, yeah, it's a really wonderful experience to hear about and good advice. Like I said, truly good advice for us all to just go for it, play around. There's lots of color out there. <laughs> there, there is definitely lots of color out there, yes. <laughs> well, Valerie, um, how can people see more of your work get in touch with you you mentioned instagram um please share your handle and your website and how we can see more of your work uh my handle is lorraine lily studios i named my studio after my two grandmothers lorraine and lily and um so that that's my instagram handle that's my facebook handle although i i'm not real active on facebook on facebook <laughs> because I found one social media platform is plenty. More than that, it's, it's really overwhelming. Um, and that's the, my, that's my website too, lorrainlilystudios.com. So, yep. That's, How lovely. It's even named after your grandmother's like, ah, oh, so much women in woodworking love here. I'm, I'm feeling it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Valerie, thank you so much for joining us and bringing color to our lives today and every day. Um, and I can't wait to see what you make next. Thank you. It's, it's been a real, real pleasure to talk to you today, Katie. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to our interview with Valerie Burledge. I will include the links on where to follow her in the show notes for today's episode. If you don't know where to find the show notes, check out the podcast app you're listening on. In the podcast description, there should be links there, or you can find it in the description box down below on YouTube, or you can head to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find this week's episode and past episodes and links there too. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at crafting a revolution. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe and follow head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. We sincerely appreciate the support. Thanks again for tuning in. Let's go craft a revolution. She 